Prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. We have a great show planned today, and it's a very, very important show and timely. And I, I can't, I can't say enough about the importance of today's show. We talk a lot about science, new drug therapies, uh, training modalities, uh, nutritional approaches. We talk about all this sort of stuff, but it, 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 it's it's really um, just part of. Uh, being a true superhuman. Uh, if we look back to the early days of physical culture, we know people like Bernard McFadden, uh, Eugene Sandow, and others, they knew that it was the whole person that had to be addressed uh, in order to reach that superhuman status. And if you go back to even Greco-Roman times, you see that uh, a lot of the people that we look up to uh, from those days, uh, they were devoted to their minds as well. Uh, and I'm not talking about spirituality. I'm not talking about some kind of religion. I'm talking about uh, the ability to direct your mind is something that has become lost today. In fact, most of us uh, operate in an almost Pavlovian approach uh, to push notifications and emails and text messages. Uh, and, 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 and fragmented thought is really the norm today. And this is not good. I predict that in years to come, um, the isolation that social media creates while it quote unquote connects us is uh, the leading cause of uh, depression and even suicide. And that's going to be years and years from now. They're going to discover that no one sits across from each other and talks anymore, but more importantly, no one sits quietly and thinks, and this may be one of the greatest failures of our civilization today. My guest today is Mark Lesser. He has written a book called Seven Practices of Mindful Leaders. Welcome to the show, Mark. How are you? Thanks, Carl. I'm doing really great this morning. So uh, before we get started, I, I, you know, I have to tell people a little bit about you uh, because it's very impressive to have a guest of your caliber on the show. Uh, you are a CEO of an organization called ZBA Associates, which is a company that uh, works uh, training uh, le business leaders and executives uh, in mindfulness. You've worked with organizations like Google, uh, SAP, Genentech, and Ka Kaiser. I'm assuming, is that Kaiser Permanente or just Kaiser? I don't know. Um, Kaiser Permanente. Yeah, 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 yeah. Big companies. And and you're actually the um, co-founder of uh, Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute, which was a program that you developed at Google. What What was that program? Tell us about that. Yeah, that that goes back oh um, a little more than uh, ten years ago now. Google, a Google engineer, in his kind of twenty percent time, you know, Google allows their employees to to step out of their normal roles for a, a fifth of their time, and and um, he had this idea of creating a uh, a mindfulness, meditation, emotional intelligence inside of Google. It was it was an experiment, and. And I happened to be, um, at the time, I was doing some, some executive coaching for Google engineers, and I got pulled in to help create that program called Search Inside Yourself. Uh, it became, in, over, it, over a few-year period, it became more and more popular so that 
there was actually a competition amongst Google employees to get in and take that program. Uh, really, you know, in, in a way, it was, it was a program that, uh, that integrated mindfulness, meditation, emotional intelligence, leadership, and science. There was always a really core science part of it. And, uh, and then it was in oh, 2012 that I, I, was, um, I helped create a, a nonprofit called the Search Inside Yourself Leadership Institute that, that took this work out into other companies all, all around the world, and it's still a um, very, very successful uh, program these, uh, right now. Now, organizations like Google and Kaiser, they don't do this for touchy-feely reasons. They do this because somehow it affects their the productivity uh, of their people and enhances, obviously, their ability to either uh, pioneer uh, new things in their category or become more efficient and, 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 uh, and so on. So is, is, is the mindfulness really that impactful? Do these organizations go, wow? Uh, uh, you know the 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 results of these types of programs are beneficial, and if so, why don't more companies follow suit? You know, it, it's interesting. The um, more and more companies are starting to even uh, do studies, you know, data collection studies to to demonstrate the relationship between mindfulness trainings and return on investment. Uh, you can look. You can look online and see uh, the, the huge companies like uh, Aetna Insurance has adopted adopted uh, mindfulness as a core part of their well-being programs. As has SAP, as has Google. You know, and and part of it, I think. I think people bring it in for different motivations, and the impacts are also. Uh, again, there's still a lot a lot of work to do to understand exactly what the impacts are, but the obvious ones are. They help people be more focused, and they also help people have more flexible minds. They help people deal with change and stress with, from a more, a more healthy uh, perspective. And they also have a way of increasing people's ability to listen and connect and be curious, which more and more the, the ability for people in the corporate world to collaborate has become an, an essential skill. Interesting. Um, there's a lot of uh, – I've actually done shows about this, and there is a lot of interest in things like uh, microdosing uh, hallucinogens, uh, LSD and precursors and mushrooms and stuff like that. And uh, the, one of the big quote-unquote benefits of it is it enhances a type of neuroplasticity uh, by elevating – uh, uh, BDNF, which is a brain-derived uh, nootropic factor, I believe. Uh, it, it, isn't there also some evidence that meditation does that as well? In, in fact, Carl, while, while I was writing my book, uh, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader, I, I, uh, I was also reading Michael Pollan's book about psychedelics and, and microdosing, as you were just referring to. You know, in his, his, book, his book is called uh, How to Change Your Mind. I was kind of joking with my publisher. I wanted to rename my book "How to Change Your Mind Without Drugs." <laughs> right, right. Because in a way, as, as you're saying, I think um, at, at its heart, you know, again, as I was saying earlier, there's many there's many motivations for why people do mindfulness and meditation and and these practices from you know from from stress relief to wanting to be better listeners. But the real the real benefit 
is, as I think what you're getting at, is this sense of, sense of free, freeing us from our conditioning, freeing us from our, from our habitual mind, and opening us, opening us up to seeing the world through, through much fresher, you know, even, even through, the, through the lens of wonder and appreciation, which, which that, that shifts the game completely when you, when you see the world as fresh and new and, and mysterious. Um, it's a different world that you live in. Why, why does mindfulness and even meditation conjure up uh, this almost uh, esoteric, uh, new age, fluffy thing that a lot of people dismiss immediately before even paying attention to it? You know, I think that's changing. I think that there's a real, a re- I think especially, I think that's why you know, when I started working at Google and bringing mindfulness and meditation at, at Google, we actually had to start all of our programs with the science. And there, so there's been a huge, huge amount of the, the studies on the studies and papers and research that's happening uh, has, been, ha- has been really phenomenal. You know, and it's studies that go beyond self-report, actually doing brain scans, actually you know, studying DNA and the tel- telomeres. Uh, and there's been all this scientific evidence now of of the benefits of mindfulness and meditation and how it actually changes the brain, how it actually changes our DNA, in addition to all the other uh, more experiential benefits um, that, that we have. But I, I think there is, you know, there, it does come, you know, mindfulness, mindfulness and meditation, it was developed most fully within, within religious realms, you know, within Buddhism, within Christianity. Uh, and, and I think it, it has a bit of that, um, I was going to say, it almost has, has to overcome that now. <laughs> you know, it's like it has to, okay, it's not about that at all. It's something bigger. Yeah, um, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, going back to the, the name of your show, you know, it's about, it's about being a full human being. It's about developing one's humanity, one's, seeing one's common humanity, seeing, be, seeing beyond the, the materialistic culture, the, the, the culture of, you know, checking one's, checking one's phone, uh, you know, uh, hundreds, thousands of times, um, uh, you know, over a course of a few days. You know, uh, I actually did a show a few months ago where I made the, the I proposed that uh, cell phones have become a form of mind control. And, you know, I, and I, I, I didn't want people to go home and put on aluminum hats. I want to say, look. Mind control is if I can get you to do something I want you to do. It doesn't have to be assassinate the president. It could be pick something up. And mm-hmm. cell phones have become that. They, they not only will get us to pick them up, but they'll, we take direction from them. You know, someone just texted you, text them back. Uh, push notification on Instagram. Someone liked your photo, go comment about it. And, and that is actually the antithesis of mindfulness. This, this fragmented, uh, jumping every second is. It, it, would you say that it's eroding people's ability to, for full uh, cognitive, constructive thinking? Yeah, I think there's the, the the fragmentation that you're talking about, but also, in a way, people don't make time to just think. People don't make time to just enjoy being with each other. The the kind of social time. Uh, time to just really 
uh, even time to, to to listen and notice what it's like to be um, you know to be more present, to be more alive. But but how much of that is the result of industrialization? And being productive, I, you know, I blame Gordon Gecko for some of this. <laughs> you know, the morning that Bud Fox calls him and he's walking on the beach with his Motorola 8000 and, you know, and he's been on the phone with China or Japan all night trading and Bud Fox is just waking up and he says, you know, hey, Bud, nobody makes money while they're sleeping. That moment for me, like when I look back at where we are today, uh, that crystallizes this idea that if you are not always working, if you are not always productive, then you are a slacker, you are a time waster. So that means that if I want to sit quietly at my desk for 20 minutes and close my eyes and allow my brain to just relax, I'm a slacker. Isn't that part of the reason people may think this is a waste of time? I don't even sleep four hours anymore because I, I, I want to be working all the time. You know, I, I, I think, I would say, Carl, yes, I agree with all of that, but I also think it goes beyond that. I think that, I think that this is the human condition. If you look, if you, if you look at how humans evolved, in a way, we evolved for one thing and one thing only, which is to stay alive and pass on our genes. Right. And, and, and in a way, so that the habits you're talking about in terms of Gordon Gecko, right, we, we are fear-based creatures, and we are dissatisfaction-based creatures, right? We need, we need that next thing. We're, we're, we're built that way. That's, that's how we've evolved. Meditation and mindfulness practices, those were introduced thousands of years ago before all of this technology. Those practices were introduced to, to help as antidotes to that kind of human our human nature around around fear, around greed and hate, right? Humans, humans either grasp onto things or push things away. As we have these, and these are survival mechanisms. These things uh, keep us alive, but in our in our culture now, they are they are what's I think at the heart of causing things like fragmentation, like levels of materialism and greed that keep us from. Keep us from truly being happy through finding real health, real real well-being. And, and I want to just – I agree with you a thousand percent. And in fact, the phenomenon where people sit and watch the news all day is also part of our evolutionary gifts because we have survived because we seek out the danger in our environment. But the problem is our environment used to be the 60 or so feet around us, and now it's Iran. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we, we can't we – can't, we're worried about what's going on in other places that have no impact on us, and we're driven to do that because we are programmed to seek out danger. And this is why the news on every station is more popular than any sitcom or television show that makes you laugh today. Mm-hmm. It's really sad. So uh, one more question I want to ask you, and then we're going to get deep into the book. So I've had this theory for a long time, and you probably can tell me if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> I believe that the uh, creation of language has made it harder for us to be mindful because words have uh, symbolic and implied meanings. And so I, I think of a an infant, you or I, when we were just a year old, laying in, in, in a crib looking up at that spinning toy. We had no words to assign to it. We were in a meditative state most of the time. And as we become more intellectual and we start to attach meaning and symbolism and words to things and our and our vocabulary increases, it becomes harder and harder to quiet the mind. Am I, am I off base on that completely? <laughs> I, 
I, I, I don't think I would blame it on language. I think, you know, because language also cuts the other way. Language, you know, things like, things like poetry and beautiful prose um, can, can also be used to open our imaginations. Language can be magnificently freeing and beautiful, but as you're saying, it, 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 can, it can also be, it can also be uh, limiting. But I think this is, um, you know, an interesting thing about the, the process of meditation and the pro- process of mindfulness. It's having us kind of shifting what our relationship is with language to actually be curious and questioning about the stories that we tell ourselves, the things that we, you know, in, in a way, language can be limiting if, if we are using it to limit in terms of to, to just name things and be caught by things or be caught by the stories that we tell. Okay, let's talk about the book now. And this book will teach people a lot of things. It's a really, really great book. Um, a lot of people live with the problem that, I mean, work, I mean, it, there's, a, there's a congressman somewhere trying to, in, to create a bill that if your work uh, in, in emails you or texts you after work hours, that that's going to be finable. And while I, 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 I don't know that we can legislate this, I do understand where he's going. Today, we really do take work home with us. How do we stop that? Well, I think I think there's a there's I think there's two aspects of that. One, at least two, maybe even three. You know, one one is there's the there's the practical aspect of of being able to set real boundaries and and making making clear distinctions. I mean, I, I sometimes recommend to people that when you that when you you know when you come home from work, that you actually actually take even if it's even if it's a few seconds, but you know just Take a few breaths and recognize that you are now leaving work, and you're coming home. You're gonna you're gonna let go let go of your their work life and enter into your home life, your life, even whether it's being by yourself, being with your partner, being with your kids. Uh, but I I hear from so many people that they that they have trouble turning it off. Right. Uh, so that's the other piece that that it actually takes it actually takes some practice. It takes some mind training to be able to successfully do what I just suggested. Some people would have, might have real trouble doing that. It's one thing to say, you know, take a few breaths and stop and turn it off. But it, it, might, it might actually, it takes some training. It takes actually, this is why having a regular mindfulness meditation practice can make it so that you can be more, you can be more successful at doing what I'm suggesting, at, at making, making that distinction between your your work life and your your home life. What what so there, there's lots of different ways to meditate. Uh, so I, I shared with you off the air that I I am a student of transcendental meditation, but also I learned early on meditation from a gentleman named Ram Das when I lived in Las Vegas. And his approach to meditation, he taught quite a few different. Like you know, follow your breath is one where you're not using a mantra, a repetitive meaningless word to you meaningless you know sanskrit word that doesn't have any real meaning to you so it doesn't imply anything that you just have this repetitiveness in it uh then there's the obviously follow your breath but then one of the things that i remember him saying was um if you want to meditate where you're not focused on anything at all you have to stop your mind from thinking and this tends to be a little bit harder and and he he actually said if you want to see what it feels like for your mind to stop thinking 
Ask yourself quietly in your head, I wonder what my next thought will be. And that moment that you're actually listening for your brain to spit out a thought is this long pause. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So which of these are best? Is it whatever works for you? Is there, how does someone say, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to actually meditate, uh, before they even decide what time. How do you choose which meditation is good for you? Yeah, I, w- I wanted to respond to what you were saying about um, s- stopping the mind from thinking. Generally, not 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 a good idea. Not a good idea. Um, our our minds our minds just are built for thinking. Now, the practice you were saying about being curious about your thinking and and asking your that's a great question that you were saying that Ram Das suggested about you know being watchful, being curious about the the next thought. So it's more not being tossed around by our thoughts being mm. able being able to allow being able to allow thoughts to come and go you know you see, you see this you see this so much like i you know i i i have to admit i'm a i'm i'm a total uh, sports junkie so as i was uh, watching the the uh football playoffs playoffs yesterday you know it's so interesting that as you know that as kickers are are about to kick the winning field goal the opposing team almost always calls a timeout, right? And they do that hoping that they're going to get the kicker thinking about it. Right. <laughs> but, these, but but these guys are these guys are trained, right? They they have to be trained. They're not they're not they're they're thinking they're thinking, but they're probably thinking about one thing only, which is they're visualizing how that ball is going to go through the uprights. They're visualizing what it's going to feel like in the body as they're as they're perfectly beautifully doing that dance of moving and kick, kicking the ball they're they're able to they're able to have uh, so there's some training about that they're thinking positive successful things they're not they're not worrying about failure they're not thinking about what's going to happen if they miss interesting interesting so so uh, it, do you propose that people use one type of meditation, like, do you prefer a mantra in order to meditate? You know, I, I tend, you know, I, my, my own, my own training, uh, is in the, the Zen school. I lived, I lived at the San Francisco Zen Center for, for 10 years. Uh, and the, the kind of the, the Zen style of meditation, I think of as in a way the most simple, the most basic. It's, uh, it's essentially the, the, the practice of being present be, being in the body following the breath but mm-hmm. but in a, in a way you know, this this practice of mindfulness and practice of meditation is actually much richer and deeper than that right and you could you could start with by saying well meditation has two parts to it part 1 is settling the mind is calming the mind is not being so thrown around by your thinking mind but the other part of it is what's called insight. It's actually having a different perspective about who you are and what it means to be alive and, and what your place is in humanity. And this, it's, it's this interesting interplay between calming the mind and insight or perspective or having a different, different relationship with your own, your, own, your own being, with your own thinking. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, the book is called Seven Practices of Mindful Leaders. Do you prefer people get it at Amazon, or do you have an, another website you want to promote? Oh, you know, I, I, 
I, I love supporting bookstores. Um, Amazon's great. Um, you know, any any place any place where books where books are sold. Okay, there it is. So seven practices of mindful leaders uh, of of mindful. A of a mind, leader, seven yeah. practices of a mindful yeah. leader. Yeah. Seven practices of someone who can actually speak when they do radio. <laughs> um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Mark Lesser. Stay tuned. Whether your goal is to build muscle or burn fat, you'll find everything you need at Redcon 1. Need help getting a good night's sleep? Try Fade Out or the most popular pre-workout supplement on the market today, Total War. Sign up for their new transformation challenge and win $10,000 or shop for apparel that people at the gym will know that you are serious about your training. Need a testosterone booster that works? Check out Boomstick. Whatever you need, you'll find the best quality supplements on the market at Redcon 1. Go to Redcon1.com. That's R-E-D-C-O-N, the number one dot com, or go to superhumanradio.net and click the Redcon 1 banner ad today. For the past four months, I've been keeping a secret. Every night at bedtime, I tape my mouth shut with Somnifix strips. That's right, and here's why. Whether you snore or not, at some point in the night, almost all of us start breathing through our mouth. Since I've started using Somnifix strips, I've noticed that I sleep deeper and have seen improvements in my health, fitness, and cognitive function. That's because nose breathing activates the parasympathetic nervous system and improves nitric oxide production. And that leads to improved sleep immunity, carbon dioxide, oxygen exchange, and much more. Oh, and if you do snore, it'll help you stop snoring. Try Somnifix risk-free. Go to somnifix.com forward slash SHR. Get a free trial pack of Somnifix strips today. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. Would you train with it? You'll gain with it. Eat dessert again with the new 100% natural line of high-protein, low-carb Quest protein bars. I love lemon cream pie and strawberry cheesecake, but you can choose from chocolate peanut butter, coconut cashew, or cinnamon roll as well. No matter which one you try, you'll feel like you're eating dessert. But this is no ordinary dessert. With 20 grams of high-quality whey protein isolate, 17 grams of prebiotic fiber, and sweetened with stevia, these bars will make you feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to Superhuman radio.com and click the quest protein bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars hey this is carl start your day just like i do with a high dose lipospheric vitamin c from live on labs you too can benefit from live on labs lipospheric delivery system no more pills or powders that's outdated technology live on labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system period learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing that's liveonlabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, labs.com. Move over, superheroes. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. We're talking with Mark Lessa about his new book, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. And, you know, maybe you're not a leader. Maybe you don't want to be a leader. Maybe uh, you just want to be a better person, a better parent, a better bodybuilder, a better powerlifter. Uh, would you agree with me, Mark, that no matter what your goals are, that mindfulness uh, can actually get you there faster and make you better at it? 
I, I would agree with that. And, and I would also say that um, when I use the word leader, there's no getting away from being a leader in that essentially what, what I mean by that and the way, the way that word is used often uh, is it means that you're someone who has influence. You're influencing others. You, you may be a leader, a leader in your family. You, know, you may be a leader in your gym. Uh, even at work, you might not have the role of a, of a leader, but no matter what you, no matter what your role is, you certainly have influence. So in a way, the word is meant to uh, give people that sense of that we all that we all have uh, responsibility, and as you're saying, I think we have responsibility for our own our own well-being, uh, our own health. Uh, so mindfulness and mindfulness practice can be a way to support that, and then beyond that, it can also be a way to uh, better the way we are in in relationship, better better communication. Uh, better listeners, uh, the ability to collaborate with others, the ability to focus, and the ability to widen one's perspective are kind of key key skills in today's world. No matter almost no matter what we're doing. There are two chapters uh, in your book: uh, Practice Four and Practice Five. Connect to your pain and connect to the pain of others. What role does pain play in the transformation that happens in mindfulness? Yeah, you know, I started to say this earlier, uh, Carl, when you were talking about the addiction that people have to their phones. And I think part of that is that it's, it's hard to feel, you know, as, as human beings, we all know what it feels like to feel lonely, to feel, you know, like we've let, some, we've let ourselves down, or, or, or even some sense of, of emptiness or sadness is just, it's just part of the part of the human condition, part of our common humanity. And for the most part, we don't like that, right? And we, we, we tend to do anything we can to, um, to uh, avoid that. There's actually um, some, some, beautiful, some beautiful stories, you know, about uh, what happens when you, when instead of, if you're feeling, if you notice that you're feeling a little sense of emptiness or loneliness or disconnection, Instead of picking up your phone, just see what is it like. What does it feel like to be sad? What does it feel like to be lonely? And what happens is, you know, this isn't this isn't true for all people all the time. But I, I've had this experience myself, and I, I know many people who report having this sense that if you just stay with it, you find that it changes, and that there's a sense there's a sense of connection and depth and even happiness that can that can arise that you don't get if you're constantly uh, distracting yourself by whether it's looking at your phone or playing video games or all the different ways that we that we have to distract ourselves and that really is what it is about distraction um you know it's funny when i was in my early 20s i found myself in talk therapy with a guy who really was a wonderful human being and to this day i'm 6 years old i still rely on things I learned from him. His name was Jerry Katz. <laughs> and he taught me, he said to me one day, because I was in such pain at this point in my life, he says, you know, you should really be excited. I said, why would I be excited? He says, because pain is growth provoking. He said, if you have a pair of shoes that hurt your feet, you're probably going to end up with a new pair of shoes pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And I've held that close for the rest for my entire mm-hmm. life. Every time mm-hmm. 
I hit a brick wall, I feel bad at first, but then I think, wow, something amazing is going to happen now because pain is growth provoking. And you're right. Is it, it is a distracting. We just want to distract ourselves from feeling the pain. And really the pain is probably, you know, we, we think of pain the wrong way. I mean, there's lots of pain, right? You don't want to hit your hand with a hammer if you can help it. But, but, but all, all the things, the lessons in life have some pain attached to them, don't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I was, um, you know, I, I, after I left uh, my 10 years at the Zen Center, I went to uh, business school, uh, New York University, and got an MBA degree. And then I, out of school, I started a company, uh, a greeting card and calendar company, one of the first companies in the world to make things out of recycled paper. But I, I was thinking how... It was in my, my, I was running, I was CEO and running that company for about 12 years. And I remember walking in, into my office in year 12 or year 13 and having this thought, my heart isn't here anymore. And it was like, it was really painful to feel that this was, this was a company that, that I had started and I had ran and it was my baby. And yet it was that, that realization that something had changed, something had shifted in me. And this was no longer the right place for me to be. And, and at first, of course, I tried to push that feeling away. It's like, like, no, that would be terrible. This is, this is my company. I'd, I'd have to, there would have to be change. I'd have to figure out what I was going to do. And then it was actually shortly after that, I had a breakfast meeting with a woman who was on my board of directors and was also a mentor of mine. And she looked at me in the eyes and she said, Mark, it's time for you to leave this company. Uh, and, and, of course, my, my first reaction was, oh, she thinks I'm, I'm, I'm not a good leader or I'm not doing it right, and all that kind of pain and self-judgment came up. And then she looks at me and says, you have much larger things to do with your life than to be running this small publishing company. Interesting. And, and I looked at her and said, like, what? And she said, that you'll have to figure out. And, <laughs> and, and, and actually, I look back at how, how painful, you know, change is hard. Seeing, seeing, opening up to when we're not in alignment, and sometimes it means with our work, sometimes it means in relationships, sometimes it means we're not in alignment with how we're taking care of ourselves. So this is, this is a great gift, right? Feeling, letting ourselves feel the discomfort, the pain, the loneliness of, of whatever isn't working. And as you were saying, that then opens the door to making healthier choices in our lives. One of the best times to meditate? First thing in the morning is, you know, there's a lot of, um, well, maybe the, the short answer to that, what, the way I usually answer that question, <laughs> Carl, is whenever you can. Right, right? whenever you right. actually stick to it, right. Whenever you can. Right. If, that, if, that, if that for you is, you know, during your lunch break, if that's at the end of the day. In general, though, for most people, there's something about being, if you can, to find a way to have a meditation practice before the activity of the day. So you get out of bed, do whatever, you know, you brush teeth, bathroom, and then have, have a sitting practice then. For some people, that means uh, getting up a little bit earlier before, maybe before kids and family are up. W- one of the things I like to, uh, as a way of, of framing it, is to, if you can, to treat meditation like brushing your teeth. You don't, nobody, no, nobody says, oh, I don't have time to brush my teeth. No, we, we somehow, we find time for that. It's just a, a have to. 
Um, the other thing that doesn't get talked about nearly enough is that there's something really powerful about the experience of meditating with other human beings. Now, this may not be possible on a daily practice for, for most people, but it's generally possible like on a week, like if you can find, find a few other people, find a local, there's so many meditation groups and classes around all, all, over, the, all over the country and all over the world these days. Even, even once a year or a couple times a year, doing a retreat, doing whether it's a day-long retreat or a longer retreat with other people, it's a very different, there's, it's just a very different experience sitting with others. I, I, don't, I don't think meditation was ever meant to be a solo practice. It was, mm. you know, it was meant to be something that you do with other people. What about, so I remember when I took TM, they told me not to meditate before sleep. But, but uh, right now, I, I've actually moved into another bedroom because I have all of these apparatuses. I'm doing some real deep dives into sleep. I've got several apps. I actually do a, a complete sleep study in the, in my spare bedroom at night when I sleep. And I'm looking at different things that affect the duration of deep sleep and REM sleep and recovery. And with that being said, I, I keep thinking I should meditate before I go to sleep. But they told me in TM not to do that. Just I know you're not supposed to meditate right after you eat because the, the physiological changes that happen, your body has to digest food. But why, why would someone tell me not to meditate before sleep? It would seem intuitive to meditate before, before sleep. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Um, well, the only thing I could think of is that in general, you don't, in general, you don't want to connect meditation with you know, with going to sleep, sleep right. in, in, a, in a way, the practice is about being, it's about being more alert, being more awake, being more present. But um, there, I, I don't see anything. I, 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 I often suggest that if that's, if that's a good time for you um, to, to have that time of meditation before sleep, I think it, I think it works really well. And then I think part of it can then, I think for a lot of people, be a way to clear the mind, be a way to relax, and actually enhance one's ability to sleep, which is a whole other topic that we probably don't even want to get into here. But um, people, people, you know, one of the things that I, I hear a lot is that people have trouble staying awake during meditation, and then I generally ask, are you getting enough sleep? And I can see so many people don't get enough sleep, and and a meditation practice can be actually a reminder or a signal that people need to sleep more. If you're falling asleep during your meditation practice, pay well, attention. Well, I, I, something that always baffled me was, was I falling asleep? But I know I wasn't because I would stop at 20 minutes and raise my head. But I used to get into, when I meditated with great regularity, which was over the course of years, I, I would get into a meditative state rather quickly. Uh, and, 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 and I would go very deep where my head, my chin would fall against my chest and I may have looked like I was sleeping and I used to even question, gee, was I just sleeping? But I always, I always raised my head right around 20 minutes. And so how can I be sleeping if I knew enough to pick up my head in 20 minutes? I used to say to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the beautiful things about meditation practices is just getting more familiar with our own our own consciousness, getting more familiar. I mean, there's, uh, it's okay. In fact, it's really interesting if we're, if we're sleepy, 
either if we're as you're saying we might get into some some kind of zone where we're where we are are not our it's not our usual state of mind but there's something there where we're both we're both alert and relaxed at the same time and it's our our thinking mind isn't isn't taking over as much but sometimes we might notice that we're kind of drifting into that that kind of uh, unconsciousness that sleep that sleep state of mind and it's really interesting to actually to notice that and be curious of of that and then to gently bring ourselves you know maybe take a few deep breaths and come come back to being uh-huh. a bit a bit more awake so that we don't completely completely fall asleep right but a lot a lot of the practice is about curiosity about awakening awakening that sense of wonder and curiosity in our in our own lives interesting i want to take a quick commercial break we have a lot more questions you're listening to mark lesser it's a really great book and uh, it's a very very easy read and it will elucidate for you uh, how you can set up a program uh, for yourself Uh, seven practices of a mindful leader you can get it wherever greater books are sold stay tuned we'll be right back Now, the number one best-selling non-hormonal anabolic agent at PredatorNutrition.com. Progenidrex has established itself as the category killer. If you're having difficulty gaining muscle while staying lean, you owe it to yourself to try Progenidrex. 100% of store reviews rated it at five stars, the highest possible ranking. And today, right now, there are guys pouring their hearts out in the gym with little or nothing to show for it. Don't waste any more time. Go to PredatorNutrition.com today and get Progenidrex, the world's absolute best drug-free muscle gainer. Men and women, you've heard about hormone optimization. Do you feel like it's something you want to look into? RenewLifeRx.com is the place to start. Their doctors can help you with the solutions. RenewLifeRx.com has a simple process for lab work, consultation, and taking a deep dive into where your hormone levels can be improved. Superhuman radio listeners get 30% off your initial lab work and consultation. Go to RenewLifeRx.com to schedule your no-obligation phone consultation today. Feel younger, get in better shape, and be more productive at RenewLifeRx.com. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You, too, can benefit from Live On Labs' lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live On Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at LiveOnLabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, labs.com. Ever feel like you want something crunchy? From the company that gave us the Quest Protein Bar, now comes the Quest High Protein Potato Chips. With 21 grams of high-quality protein and only 5 grams of carbs and no artificial ingredients. Just like Quest Bars, you'll feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest High Protein Potato Chip banner ad today and get ready to be satisfied. Thanks to Quest Nutrition, chips just aren't what they used to be. There are a few products that I believe in the way I believe in Can-C eye drops. I've been using Can-C for six months now and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is I've been using Can-C eye drops for 11 years now and I credit Can-C eye drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. Can see eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse 
Cansi eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how Cansi eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. You're listening to the Superhuman Channel. We're ripped and we're ready. I got to update that Cansi spot. That's two years old. I just, I turned 60 and I'm still not wearing reading glasses thanks to Cansi eye drops. It's a really amazing product. It really is. Um, anyway, so we're talking with Mark Lester about his book, Seven, Seven Practices of a Mindful Leader. Um, why don't more companies <laughs> – excuse me. I had a sneeze. Why don't more companies employ something this simple for their employees? You know, I, I've noticed that uh, more and more companies are. It's becoming, um, it's becoming more and more accepted and um, – in fact, I think I, I think more and more uh, we're seeing more programs like this as part of curriculum in business schools and and leadership really? programs. Yeah, I think this is you know I think it, the day will the day will come, and I don't think it's that far away when uh, mindfulness practice, meditation practice is just a, a core, core core part of the curriculum uh, for all uh, kind of leaderships and business training and. And I think it will more and more become um, incorporated into and any company that has any kind of uh, well-being, you know, well-being program or leadership development program. In fact, I um, I had dinner last night with a friend who uh, works at Google and teaches a um, a change management program for uh, for for leaders. And and this is um, I think this topic of um, of dealing with stress, dealing with dealing with change is just going to become more and more essential for, for leaders. But do you think it, it's also a realm that would – I get the stress management side of it, but I have to believe that meditation also uh, allows for things like original thought, um, for people to become leaders in their category because they are breaking new ground. I have to believe that in, in in this in the in the vacuum of meditation, uh, your brain actually uh, can can harvest thoughts that you normally wouldn't have access to uh, in in full consciousness. Am I am, am I giving way too much you know magical credit to, uh, to, to meditation? <laughs> no, I think I, I think actually you're you're moving more into the territory of at least what I what I think meditation really is. Right? There's you know in a way. In a way, people often are drawn to it, and companies bring it in the, for motivations around, you know, re- relieving stress and increasing well-being. And those are those are crucial; those are important. And, and meditation can have that that impact. And it's and it's a little bit easier to study that too. I think the science element, science can can produce really good data and information about things like stress and and heart health. The area that you're talking about, I, I think, is um, amazingly important, which is about uh, about creativity, about your, this realm, this realm of originality, this realm of widening widening one's perspective about what's possible, being able to have a different relationship with one's um, imagination. But I, I would say also that it um, has a way of being able to. Uh, Connect, connect us with others in a in a way 
as well, that it not only increases our own, uh, own creativity, but allows us to collaborate with others in a way that is um, many, many times um, more connected and possible than if we are, don't have this kind of a practice. You, you know who is a lifelong meditator, and he is a leader in his category of business? And people would not think this about him. Howard Stern. Uh-huh. Howard Stern has been a disciple of transcendental meditation since he was a very young man in his teens. And uh, when he worked in uh, at uh, WABC in uh, in Manhattan, his limo driver, Ronnie, when he would pick him up at like 3.30 a.m. Uh, to get on the air at 6 uh, and drive from Long Island into Manhattan – Howard would sit in the back of the limo and meditate for sometimes up to an hour at a time. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and, and, and you, you can't deny that whether you like his style of radio, which I do, I like you, anything that makes me laugh, I'm, I'm all for. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, whether you, you like his style of radio or not, I mean, the guy is a leader. I mean, he yeah. drove, he drove categories of radio that did not exist before him. Mm-hmm. Well, there's lots of interesting examples of well-known leaders from Steve Jobs uh, had, a, had a meditation practice, uh, Mark Benioff, the founder CEO uh, of Salesforce, uh, Jeff Weiner, who's the, the CEO of LinkedIn. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think uh, places like, places like uh, Google and Aetna and SAP have all put uh, mindfulness practices as a core, core part of their um, well-being curriculum. Great stuff. And and this is so easy. I mean, you buy a book like Mark's book, and it puts you on track. And the reality is you don't have to buy anything else ever again if you don't want to. <laughs> and it's just you and your mind, and that's it. It's really it's, – it's really, it, and I say this knowing that I am one of these people. <laughs> who is in, is not using something that I know is very powerful, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and and, and uh, we just need to do it. Like you said, yeah. you got to yeah. make a practice of it. You just got to do it every morning. If that's when you're going to do it, just get up and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then also I think, um, you know, there's something about. I, I often suggest that people try try sitting for for five or ten minutes a day, you know, over over a course of a, a couple of you know whether it's a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And just notice, just see, does it does it change your experience? You know, just what what does it what does it do to your day to day life? Does it does it help you? Does it help you be a little bit more um, a little bit calmer, a little bit more relaxed, a, a better listener? Not quite not quite as uh, caught up in the in the daily dramas that we tend to get so easily caught up in. So, do you do uh, do you travel and do uh, in person lectures and stuff like that? I do. I find my find myself um i i do a lot of work um it's it's interesting how how popular um how much interest there is in this work is in asia um and in australia um i've i've taught quite a few programs in um in sydney uh in tokyo in singapore hong kong um yeah i end up um I end up probably traveling a little more than I than I would like to, and yet at the same time, I love um, I love doing in person programs. I'm I'm just starting now to do more a little bit more um, online programs, um, but but there's nothing quite like actually being being with with other people and 
doing this work together. Now, do you have a website where people can follow you and or or a Facebook page or Yeah, what? my uh, my website is mark m a r c l e s s e r .net, marklesser.net. And do you have your schedule up there of of engagements that may be coming? I do. I do. In fact, I just um I I I I'm I'm finally finally getting my own act together and just um I just launched a a new website uh last week. Um yeah, I'll be uh I'm going to be uh, teaching in New York at the Garrison Institute in a few months, and and I'm um, doing some programs, um, a program at Esalen, and um, uh, yeah, just kind of more and more looking to looking to get out there and spread the work. Very cool, very very cool stuff. You know, um, <clears throat> this will make you a better athlete if you're an athlete listening to the show. I know we have a lot of athletes that listen to the shows, but we have a lot of clinicians. Uh, that are prescribing hormone replacement therapy and things like that. And this is also a very important factor for your patient uh, to achieve optimal health. And, and like I said before, you, you, you do it in the quiet of your own mind. It's You could do it anywhere, um, <laughs> anywhere, on the train, yeah. you know, you could you, on the A train. I, I used to meditate on the A train. <laughs> I did. Yeah. So. Well, well I, I wanted to both um, confirm what you were saying about yes, it is what could be easier, what could be simpler than just being with your own mind. And at the same time, it does, you know, there are, there are, it's a good thing to realize and be aware of all of the potential impediments and thing that, things that could in the, get in the way, right? Our own, our own busyness, our own, uh, you know, the, the, our own drive, drive for, for success. And I think part of, Part of what it takes, I think, is to see that mindfulness practice and meditation, it isn't, it isn't as though we have to now add on something else to our already full schedule. It's, it's like just taking some time for ourselves and seeing if that actually will lessen the, the complexity of our lives or even lessen the, uh, the extra effort. So, so much of, of, what gets in the way of our own well-being and our own success is how much we do that's extra and unnecessary. And in a way, this, this practice can be a way to reduce the unnecessary effort, to, to, make, to help see that we can, we can be a little bit more effort, effortless in what we do. Right? This is that, again, when I think of that, that image of the, the NFL kickers or even athletes in general, really good athletes, of course, there's a, you know, they, practice, they practice like hell and there's a really strong desire to, to achieve and to win. But when they're performing, when they're playing, there's a, there's a feeling of effortless to it that I think we want to emulate in our own work lives, in our own relationship lives, this kind of just, just being effortless. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you something about me. I love the beach and I and I find meditation when the sun is bleaching through my eyelids for some reason is just magical. Mm-hmm. Uh like like for me the sound of the ocean, the smell of the sand, the sun baking my body and I'm I'm on the uh, on the edge of a meditative state just being in that environment. I think uh, having a comfortable environment that makes you feel embraced you know what i mean that's yeah. a great place to do it too yeah yeah and if you and if you cultivate that 
maybe you can even appreciate being stuck on the traffic in, in the highway. Yeah. Or, or sitting in a crowded subway station. It might, it might you know, to, it, there's a way of um, training oneself to appreciate beauty and possibility in beautiful places, but even in places maybe that we don't think of as, as so inviting and so beautiful. A kind of, again, opening, our, opening ourselves up to being uh, kinder to ourselves, kinder to the people in our lives, and just cultivating the sense of wonder and curiosity. Great stuff. Mark Lesser, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you very much. Take care. You too. Um, that's important stuff. It really is. And I know a lot of you may not think it is. A lot of you may think that your goal is to squat more or bench press more or train harder or run faster. But I got to tell you something. It all starts in the mind. And if you can control your mind, you can control your body better. So check out the book. We'll see everybody tomorrow with more Superhuman Radio. Thank you for listening today.